0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now, here's your host. Hello, friends, and welcome to another amazing week here on the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with Ryan Wakefield this week. Ryan has spent many years serving local churches and ministry organizations. He's the director of Social Church and the co founder of Church Marketing University. He has helped literally thousands of churches effectively connect with more people in their communities and share the hope of jesus ryan and his family are part of the lead team that started summit park church in kansas city and among several other roles ryan has served as the marketing director at summit park where they have seen the church grow from a brand new church plant to around one thousand people in just three years Now, on this week's episode, Ryan and I have a great discussion about rethinking Easter by focusing on the true calling of the church, and that is to make disciples. Ryan shares insights about moving beyond simply having a big day on Easter Sunday to really thinking like a missionary and developing relationships for the long term. He offers some practical applications that you and your team could put into practice right away and ryan gives a free gift to all our church leaders listeners It's a free video training resource focusing on rethinking easter It's filled with helpful resources and tools for your church to make this easter your best ever So be sure to be listening for that Uh, So let's go ahead and jump in and get started and I invite you to join me in my conversation with ryan wakefield Ryan, it's uh, such a pleasure to have you with us on the
1: Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome. Man, it is awesome to be here. I'm excited to be talking about Easter, man. Let's do this.
0: Yes, definitely. So Easter right around the corner, actually, you know, and uh, as pastors are kind of thinking and processing through, now's a great time to be having those discussions. And uh, so I'm excited to have you on as a guest so that you can share and kind of get us thinking of some actually rethinking what Easter's all about. Um, I know you have a new video series out that's available free to pastors called Rethinking Easter, and um, it's a great resource for pastors to go through, for them to take their their teams through, you know, their key volunteers, their elders, church boards, whomever might be involved in helping make decisions for Easter. But I guess the first question I have is, why Rethinking Easter? Why do we need to rethink Easter?
1: Yeah, and I think this started from an assessment we did. We, we really looked at a, over 2,000 churches, and one of the big things that popped out in the data was uh, the vast majority of churches struggle with getting visitors back from a big event like Christmas or Easter. In fact, it was like 84.5% would raise their hand and say, hey— that's us. We we can have a big event, but getting people back, it, we're not so good at that. And then I kind of would watch social media around Easter time, and you'd have a I'm connected with it, as you are a ton of church leaders and pastors, and everybody's high fiving on Easter. And man, what a wonderful day! It was awesome. And and then you, you get on social media like the next weekend, and it's like a worldwide depression of church leaders. Like, where did everybody go? <laughs> what is happening? Like, we had such a great week on Easter, but we we can't seem to get people back. And so that's when I started to think in my kind of my spirit, in my mind, like, are we kind of approaching this wrong? Because... As much as we love the big event, and a big event, as you know, can be great with sharing the gospel and getting awareness that your church even exists in your community and getting people on site, but the goal, the biblical mandate is not a big event. The the biblical mandate is ongoing discipleship. So that's when I started to look at, man, could we rethink how a church approaches Easter? A yes to have a big event but more importantly, to have big long-term impact. that We're going to think that is the goal, ongoing discipleship. Lives being changed is the goal, and ultimately that starts by people coming back, because if they come to Easter or Christmas or a big event, awesome, but if they never come back, then we've lost our opportunity to disciple them, and that is the main goal. So I think that was the conversation going on in my head, and that's what really spurred me to to put this resource together for churches that really gives them a step-by-step approach to say, hey, time out. Um, It's great that we have a big event. It's even better if we have long-term discipleship. And here's the ways that I think that we could actually turn the tide on this and actually approach Easter uh, with that in mind and actually see people come back, see people being discipled, see people being water baptized, people's families being changed, our community changing one person at a time, because that's ultimately really the goal and the calling of every pastor. That's what we all want to see in our churches is lives being changed. And so that's what really this
0: resource is all about. That's awesome, brother. And and I love um, what you share there. And I'm sure it resonates with a lot of our listeners because, you know, as a pastor, oftentimes we feel this huge pressure, Uh, you know, Easter's coming up. Easter is, you know, the greatest celebration the world has ever known. We know that we love, we love the fact that the tomb is empty. Christ is alive, you know, and has the power to transform lives. And so there's a lot of pressure on churches for Easter oftentimes because this is, you know, this is the big, big shot at um, declaring the hope of Jesus Christ, and so there's all this this focus and a lot of things revolving around that. But really, I think a lot of us have felt like, man, you know, we do all of this. We, uh, you know, we put all of our energy and all mm. of our effort, you know, as pastors, as worship leaders, you know, our worship teams, our children's ministries. Everyone is just, you know, putting all this energy into this and then the question is but what next really right i mean it's kind of like yep. what comes of this and and i think one of the things as you were talking there and as as you know we've been talking about this whole rethinking Easter idea i think one of the things is that we need to think as pastors you know would we rather have you know 50 new families show up on easter and then we never really see them again or would we rather have 10 new families show up on easter that end up developing strong friendships and relationships with families in our church, commit their lives to Christ, and, you know, we see life transformation in their families, right? So I yep. think that's kind of—like, there's nothing—we're not saying that there's necessarily— I don't want to put words in your mouth, Ryan, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not really saying there's anything wrong with having a Big Easter celebration because, hey, that's that's the best time to throw a party, right? I mean, it's, it's the greatest yeah. news in the world, right? But really— let's try to be as effective as we can in the true calling of the church, which is making disciples. And if that means we need to pull back a little bit at Easter. So yeah, we can still reach a lot of people, but we need to reach them for the long haul rather than just having a big event and, you know, feeling excited and elated, but then there's no, you know, long-term fruit. I mean, isn't that the real rub there? Yeah. And I think you touched on something really important because
1: as a church leader, and you've pastored churches, and I've been a creative director, I'm a licensed minister, and the way I would approach Easter in the past is I mean, like you said, everything goes into it. Worship team, creative team, volunteers. uh, And you get up to the big event and you have an awesome event. And then what I would do, and I see a lot of church leaders do, is like the next week we're on vacation. (laughs) We're like, hey, hey, time out. I need to go to the beach. I need to refuel. I need to refresh. Our our teams are kind of follow that pattern. And, And so Part of me, and I think part of the problem is, we put so much time, energy, money, resources into that one event. And don't get me wrong, I love the big event. Easter is incredible. It's the biggest story, greatest story, greatest news ever. But if we're doing so much that we're totally spent, and then that next week we're all checked out, nobody's at the church, the volunteer, the experience for our visitors coming back is is terrible, and it, I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot, and that's why in the series you and i talk a lot about energy management like how can we approach easter yes that it's going to be a special event but we're saving some of those uh resources energy excitement the planning what we've got next for some of the weeks after and so we're enthused the next week after easter in our churches isn't a letdown like it, it's momentum that is building and and you and i kind of jokingly talked about the super bowl uh you know like we a lot of times in the church world People will call Easter the Super Bowl of the church. And we know what they mean. They're talking about the ultimate celebration and it's exciting. But if we're not careful, we can kind of follow in the trap of the actual Super Bowl in that what happens after the Super Bowl? Uh, Like everybody goes on vacation, like everybody goes off to Disney World and that is the big event. That's the big goal is to win the Super Bowl. And in our church, we have to rethink that approach in that the, the big Super Bowl for the church is ongoing discipleship. Easter is the huge life game changer. Yes, in the church world, but the, the goal now is ongoing discipleship. So our Super Bowl are, is families coming back. And so you've got to rethink the, this approach. And so your, your energy is not all spent. Your volunteers are aren't taking the next week off. Your your services are building momentum the week after Easter, not crashing. And so I think once you kind of step back as a church leader and you think, are we doing this maybe wrong? Are we approaching this wrong? what is our goal? What should the goal be? And then how do we actually need to approach Easter now in light of that new goal? Everything starts to kind of change the way you think, the way you plan, the way you pace yourself, the energy that you put in, uh, the strategies that you put around. You'll, you'll find yourself putting more time and energy into planning like the weeks following Easter than it is just planning this huge event. You'll take your creative team and instead of maybe uh, working exclusively on that special number, special worship number, special video, you'll start to create some things around the next series, around how to invite people back, how to get people to fill out a Connect card while while they're there, even looking forward to things down the road like Mother's Day and getting your creative team on that and not exclusively just planning this uh, huge Easter event. So everything starts to change once your mentality and your mindset starts to change. And that's really what I want to encourage church leaders to do. Rethink, And, you know, because you could either a just kind of have a hope strategy like, hey, this Easter, we're just going to do it like we've always done and just hope everything changes. Hope the next week people comes come back kind of magically that this year is different than every other year. Or you can step back and say, hey, wait, we have a problem here. Uh, The people aren't coming back we need to do things differently this year than we've ever done before because we want to see different results. We want to see the church advance. We want to see lives change. We want to see people being discipled. We want to do this differently because we want to have different fruit for the long haul than what we've seen in the past. So that's really all I'm really encouraging church leaders to rethink as they're approaching Easter this year.
0: Okay, brother. Awesome. So let's say— You know, a pastor sitting here listening to this says, yeah, that makes total sense. In fact, this is something that I've been wrestling with for the last three Easter's myself, you know, just, you know, sorting through, hey, we we do all this, we put our energy into it. And then where is the making disciples part? So let's say we're completely on board. Okay. Love it. Can you give us some nuts and bolts, you know, just a few very practical things that a pastor listening right now can say, hey, that's something that I can actively implement As we're preparing this Easter to really move into this idea of the long-term relationship building and disciple-making.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So here's some things I would start with, and, and these are things that come out of my experience here at Summit Park Church, we're, we're a church plant here in the Kansas City area. So this would be very stuff that we've seen really work for us, and and then we've we've seen this really start to help other churches as well. So step one, I, I would say, when you start to plan Easter, actually don't start with Easter. I know that sounds funny, but you want to start with those events after Easter and work backwards. So if you're in the in the United States. For us, that is Mother's Day. It's the next perfect opportunity to invite people back to the next big event. And it gives you a kind of a path of travel for those visitors. And maybe they're there on Easter and you're, you're talking on Easter about Mother's Day. And it gives them another thought process. Like even if they don't come back, if you can get them back on Mother's Day, now you're starting that kind of that pattern of attending and coming back. And you can work on them on Easter or on Mother's Day get, to get them back to what's next as well. So... I like to recommend church leaders actually start planning on Mother's Day. You don't have to plan it all the way out just enough so on Easter you can promote it. What you're going to be doing, some exciting things, doing things like a gift for all the ladies, like a photo booth for families. You can just talk it up. And and somewhat, I mean, I know the church is not uh, necessarily a business, but we see this like in the movie theaters, right? When you go to a movie, they're going to spend the first 20 minutes in a movie just telling you uh, why you should come back, you know, the previews, because it's effective. And um, so I think we got to think like that. Part of our strategy on Easter is to be explaining why people should care to come back. And the good news is, that we have the hope of the world. We have the answers that they're looking for in in the gospel, in Jesus, in his message. And we just have to explain to them why they should care to come back. So part of that starts with Mother's Day. And the other step on that is what are you doing between Easter and like your next big event like Mother's Day? So uh, we recommend doing a really strategic series there. Uh, Jason, I know one idea that you talk about in the Rethinking Easter resource is kicking off a, a sermon series on Easter Sunday so that when people come, they're actually surprised on week one of a brand new series. And if oftentimes we find if people love week one, they're much more likely to come back on week two. And, and so you can either do it where Easter is week one of a new series that maybe runs through Mother's Day, or you can have a series planned Uh, for that gap between uh, what's happening right after Easter, because you can really promote um, that next series at Easter. You've got to be thinking, if you were a person who was far from God, you got drugged to church, and, and somebody begged you to come, so yeah, you showed up on Easter, what would inspire you to come back that next week? So you have to put your mind in their shoes and like, if I was sitting there uninterested in the things of God, I didn't really care, I'm just showing up on Easter, what is something that would interest you to come back? And then work your promotion for that next series through that lens of that person sitting there who is far from God. And put, again, put your creative team on that. And you might even talk to some friends who are uninterested in the things of God and say, hey, would this interest you? Would this type of series interest you? Would this pique your interest? Would you wanna come back for that? At Summit Park Church, we often will, will run this through the framework of would a guy enjoy this next series? Uh, that's part of our brand is we're really targeting men. And so we want to have a series launching after our big events that really guys would say, Oh, that looks interesting. I'll go back because normally, what we're finding if if the guy is somewhat interested, and, and the girl will be like, "Oh, yeah, you know, my husband or boyfriend will is interested." Let's go back, even if maybe we're not their, you know, preference of church. If the guy will like it, they'll start coming. The same thing with the kids. We'll do this exact same idea with the kids ministry. We'll encourage. We'll start a new series or do something fun and, and get the kids involved. So on the way home from Easter, the kids are saying. mom, dad, or grandma, grandpa, we got to come back here. This was awesome. And they're doing this next week. And we had so much fun. And if you can get the kids excited about it, and you can get men excited about it, and you can kind of promote things like your next series and mother's day, uh, man, you have a great shot of getting them back and starting that relationship. And then I would say step three. And and let me just say, we go a lot deeper in some ideas and strategies in the video series, but these would, these would be kind of my main three ones. The last one would be make sure on Easter you get as much contact information as you can. And I'm not saying like in depth, but from as many visitors as possible. So you gotta get really creative and strategic how you're getting people's contact information. Because if you don't have a way to connect and contact people, you don't have the starting point of a relationship. So as we know if, if back if, if you're starting to date or interested in dating someone, oftentimes the first step is you gotta have a way to get a hold of them. If you don't, you, there's no chance at that next date or even the first date. So The contact information is absolutely crucial, so get creative and strategic on getting that contact information, whether it's through something like kids, online pre-registration leading up to Easter, doing a very simple uh, Connect card that's on every single seat back, don't hide it, Uh, or every single seat excuse me don't hide it in the seat back put it right on the seat that people have to grab it and and deal with it you know and so they obviously will see it and hold it Um, you can do some things where you have a digital connection card as well you can add a benevolence component where every single connection card that's turned in like some sort of money goes to a local nonprofit you can do a big giveaway uh, where every connect card enters you into some sort of giveaway Uh, you can do so many different things. In in the resource, we have a PDF that has 20 different ideas that you can try because that's one of the things we hear all the time from pastors. We have a Connect card, but we just can't get people to fill it out. There's some easy ways. You just got to tweak kind of your approach, make it a big deal, make it a big deal in service. And jump in there and check out that PDF that gives you 20 ideas, because I'm telling you, when you get people's contact information, now you can start that relationship. You can start inviting them back to that next series. You can start inviting them back to Mother's Day, and you have a way to start that relationship. So those are the big three
0: practical steps I would recommend to any church leader. That's awesome. Very good. Now, I want to push back a little bit, because what would you say to the pastor who's like, Yeah, Ryan, that's great. You know, I know you've you have served as a creative director, and you know, you have church marketing, university, and social church, and yeah, this is your world and all that fun stuff. But really, uh, for me, you know, I preach uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, and proclaim the hope of Jesus. And why do I need to get um, engaged and involved in all of? That other stuff, you know, I mean, that almost—because sometimes—and we've talked about this personally, you and I, Ryan, about, yeah. you know, the whole idea of marketing. Sometimes the the I the word marketing even makes people in the church world be like, no, I mean, you know, Jesus doesn't be marketed. Jesus is the Savior of the world, you know. And so for pastors who are wrestling with that idea and be like, well, this seems like a lot of extra stuff, not that it just takes extra time, but that it just seems superfluous to, to really what we're doing as a church— how, how do you respond? Because uh, I know you've had these conversations. So yeah. so how do you respond to pastors who are kind of wrestling through that? And it might be a very, you know, real thing to them. So what would you say? Yeah. And I think it really a lot of times depends
1: on how somebody defines marketing. If you're looking at like kind of the world's definition or maybe the, the negative where it gets like marketing is tricks and um, slimy tactics, then yeah, we should hate marketing. That is not what we're talking about at all. If you look at marketing as I do and define it as simply starting new relationships, then marketing uh, becomes one of the most important things that we can do in order to advance the kingdom. And I know that sounds weird to a lot of church leaders and foreign, but I think it's your perspective. Because if it's all about starting new relationships, and hopefully you see that through kind of what we're talking about, is the whole goal is discipleship. That's what we're trying to do. And so we're just using some of these ideas to facilitate ongoing relationship, which is actually... What I think the whole biblical mandate is, is starting discipleship and relationships. And so I think a lot of that depends on how you look at and define marketing. So I I think you want to say, okay, really, this is all centered around relationships and discipleship. Got it. You know, in college, I was a— biblical studies major and a marketing minor. And I think out of a few thousand students, I was the only one in both worlds. (laughs) So (laughs) It was kind of a weird dynamic and people, especially at that time, didn't understand it at all. And so I, I get the idea in that sort of pushback. I hear that all the time, and I want pastors to know uh, what I'm not recommending is something that goes against the Bible, what we're trying to do. It's actually the whole point is ongoing discipleship, and I'm actually trying to call the church world back to what we started off this, if the vast majority of churches struggle with actually translating to ongoing discipleship, then something is broken. So mm. for the church that says, I don't know, that doesn't sound right, I would kind of maybe push back to them and say, well, how's your current strategy working out for you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you're having these big events, but nobody's being discipled, then uh, then something's wrong. Whether our resource helps get you back on track, you've got to find a new approach because something is, is broken. This is not the way that it, it should be. And, and so I, I would just encourage pastors jump in the the resource. You and I are both pastors. Uh, We come from the heart of of keeping things centered on Jesus, keeping it uh, focused on the Bible, God's Word, and and just walk through it with an open mind of like, hey, could we be missing uh, something here that we can get back on track and actually become more biblical, even if it does involve things like marketing and ideas and strategy. So I I think if they, if church leaders just hang with us, they'll actually see maybe this is more biblical than their current approach. Um, I don't, does that does that sound right? And that, I was, yeah, I'm no. curious on your thoughts as well because you deal with a lot of uh, churches on that, and it's it, like you said, it's this conversation that we've had ongoing for the last few months.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and one of the things I appreciate about you, Ryan, is that for you, personal relationships are absolutely key. So yeah. for you, it's not like the this idea of promoting a new series is because you want, you know, a church to, you know, build some sort of an empire and, and feel great about itself. The idea is because you have the opportunity to meet people again the next week and the next right. week and the next week and still start building those relationships. And, and I know that like, it's awesome whenever, um, you know, Easter, for example, you, you know, new people come in, you have guests who come in and you, you know, declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and you have people who make commitments, you know, and their lives are transformed forever and you celebrate yeah. those things. But the reality is that, that all too often, especially in the world in which we live now, um, we have people who are coming through those doors, like you said, Said some are doing it just out of obligation to a friend or a family member, right? Yep. and um, you know, many people they might hear the gospel message, they but they don't immediately respond. Some are are you know checking this Jesus idea out, you know, for the very first time in their lives, or they have lots of um, hardened preconceptions about God, Jesus, the church, you know, and just for them to get through the doors once isn't necessarily going to transform their lives. They, they have to have the opportunity to, you know, learn more about these people called Christ followers. And, and so, so really it's all about this idea of, you know, we're not, we're not just doing these things or uh, recommending these things to somehow gimmick up the idea of church and, and you know, just build yep. some empire. It's, well, how do we look at the world in which we live today, our society, um, attitudes that our society has about church, and understand that we are called to help lead people to Jesus Christ and help them develop as disciples. And if that's the calling, right, then then we need to step back and say, what do we need to do or what can we do at this point to help make that happen? And it's a combination of things, right? It's not just one—there's not a silver bullet, yeah. right? It's not one thing. So these ideas that, you know, you share in Rethinking Easter um, really— help us think through well here are some opportunities right that we have to help develop this ongoing relationship and and we need to look at those opportunities and prayerfully assess as many as we possibly can if we truly want to reach as many people with the truth of Christ and help them become disciples, help them become devoted Christ followers, right?
1: Yeah, and I've got a good friend who's a pastor down in Dallas, and he, he wrote an article that has always—I mean, it's just really encouraged my thinking on this, and he said, in post-Christian America, we've got to stop thinking like pastors and start thinking like missionaries in a lot of respects. And his point was, you know, 50 years ago, the culture was Christian based, meaning it was kind of the natural momentum of the culture that what we do is we just go to church. And that has fallen by the wayside where that is not the typical life pattern of our culture anymore. And so now it's almost like we've got to think we've got to be able to put a missionary hat on and look at our culture from the perspective of the masses amount of people that didn't grow up in church don't understand Christianity maybe don't understand the teachings of Jesus and what that's like and they might show up at, at Christmas and Easter just once with the idea that they're doing maybe somebody a favor just, they're just checking it out or that's maybe what a couple of their friends do so that's I think a big shift when we put that missionary hat on and think okay, If the goal is ongoing discipleship of those people, and if our church hasn't been effective at doing that in the past two, three, four, five, ten years, what are we going to do different this year and next year to start thinking like a missionary and see, can we turn the corner and see those people that come on Easter? How can we actually start working through the discipleship uh, process with them and, and get much more effective at that. And like you said, we're hoping and praying with church leaders all across the globe that tens of thousands of people make a decision to follow Christ on Easter. That is awesome. That's our hope and our prayer. But for a lot of people nowadays, that will just be step one in a journey that we have to go on with people. And it's no longer maybe they're not going to make it on day one, but maybe day, uh, you know, visit 15 to your church, they make that decision. And we've got to start facilitating that journey between visit one and visit 15 so people have the opportunity to go on that journey with us. So maybe that's all I'm, I'm saying and really encouraging churches to, is to think different about that. So uh, hopefully that helps some pastors out there navigate this issue, because I know it's, it's tricky for a lot of pastors.
0: Yeah, no that's good and I I think it's very encouraging and and really, you know, as as pastors, we all know our heartbeat is to help people know Christ and devote their lives to him and grow in him. And so however we can get to that place, however we can begin to assess what like you said what our current culture is and those things that are necessary for us to help them on that journey to build that ongoing relationship to have the opportunity to have that ongoing conversation really, right? So it's not just you blast something out to them once and that's it, you know, either sticks or it doesn't, but have that ongoing conversation is super key. And, um, and that's really, you know, what, what I hear you saying when you're saying we need to kind of step back and rethink how we approach Easter, you know what I mean? And, and then yeah. even beyond Easter, you know, it's a you know, whole bigger conversation. I know, you know, Easter is a good place to start. That's where we are in, in the course of our year. But it's, you know, how do we then rethink really everything that we're doing to continue those conversations, to build those relationships?
1: Yeah, and I think you bring an important point up about this kind of longer journey that we're going on, and I think that's really crucial when it comes to like church's follow-up strategy after Easter, because when I was growing up in the church, even in high school, one of the things that we did is I was on the follow-up team, and so uh, when somebody came and visited the church or the youth group, we would run and take cookies to them that next week, and like that was kind of a one- Stop point of contact and that was our follow-up strategy for visitors and that was often that worked great You know, you had a chance to uh, meet them have a conversation invite them back and it was kind of like that's our strategy we're, we're one and done whereas now uh, We're really seeing a shift to if you want to have effective follow-up and assimilation post an event you really need a six to eight week strategy with multiple touch points along the way. Uh, The idea of maybe just delivering cookies for a lot of uh, the cities and the metro areas and a lot of the United States, and that being your one-stop strategy, uh, or just if you have one touch point, where it's like one email after somebody visits, like that is no longer really an effective follow-up strategy for most of the churches that I'm seeing. So there is this shift to a longer-term look at going on a journey with people, offering value to them, having multiple touch points over the next six to eight weeks after they after they visit your church, because what you're trying to do is a go on that journey where you're inviting them back, because going to church is not a typical life pattern for that person? And we are, you would know this, and every pastor listening, it's not a typical life pattern for people who call themselves members at our churches, <laughs> right? They come like once a month, and they think, you know, that's the deal. So how much more crazy is it that for uh, somebody who visits that's not interested to make this, you're moving this to being a, a typical life pattern for them? And so th- I think that's a real again, it's a, it's a different way of looking at our strategies, and our follow-up, and our discipleship, going from like, one touch point follow up to more like six to eight weeks of follow up. And again, we we get into uh, our recommended step by step into that in the resource. But I, I would really encourage pastors, if you haven't made that shift yet, and you're not seeing your follow up be effective, that could be the reason why you're not seeing it uh, effective because you haven't Looked at okay. This is a six to eight week journey. This isn't just a one stop shop. The week after they come, so I, I think that might be a big aha moment for a lot of church leaders
0: listening. That's good. Now um, you've shared a lot, uh, obviously, about this whole idea of rethinking Easter. This whole idea of of building these relationships, making disciples. I, I loved what you said about thinking like a missionary. I think that's so important for us as as pastors and ministry leaders. I know that you have put together this this whole rethinking Easter video resource, and it's you know it's a course with multiple videos that really digs more deeply into some of the things you touched on here, and it's really an absolutely free resource yep. to pastors, and really you know this is a key for you know churches that are seeking you know some revitalization, you know churches that are looking for how can we make a bigger impact in our community for the kingdom, um, how can we encourage um, those people who already call our church their you know their home, their spiritual home, how can we encourage them about this grand mission that God has called all of us onto? And so I know this Rethinking Easter video course uh, will have some information in the show notes, but if any of our listeners want this absolutely free um, from Ryan and his team, you can go to churchleaders.com/rethinking Easter and um, you can uh, enter in your information and get this course immediately for free, which is super awesome. And uh, Ryan, uh, you've shared that really taking... Um, not only for the pastor, and, you know, if you're in a small church and it's just you and a few volunteers, then I really encourage you to get those few volunteers together, yeah. right? And, and watch some of these videos because it can really transform the way that you're thinking. It can provide some much-needed energy and excitement around, hey, what can we do? You know, every single church matters and every single community uh, matters for the, the kingdom, and the cause of Jesus Christ. So, what can you do in your church, no matter if you're in a rural community, in an urban setting, suburb, wherever it is, whatever size your church is, you know, how can you seek God? How can you pray through this and allow uh, the Spirit of God to awaken something within your people to really make a difference this Easter season, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is the most popular resource that we do every single year. Uh, we've had about 5,000 church leaders go through it. And I'm, every time, you know, we do this and we open it up for free, we have leaders that have just emailed me, I, man, this is really helpful. We're taking our entire team through it. We're taking our board because this type of change doesn't happen overnight. And that's why I like the video series with downloadable PDFs, because it gives a kind of uh, a way for a church team to gather around we'll go through a resource and start talking about these things all together. So everybody's kind of speaking a common language, kind of uh, there's moments. Momentum and synergy around common ideas and so it's an easy way to bring a team together and start shifting our approach to a much more effective approach and I mean, we, this is, again, the best feedback we get all year round is around this uh, Easter resource. So uh, it, it is an honor for me to partner with churches all across the United States. It's cool. We're seeing churches from the UK, Australia, um, uh, in fact, all around the world now just kind of jumping on and latching onto to this. Uh, so that is neat to see. And it's really a joy uh, to be able to partner with local churches like this. And, and again, my prayer For churches and church leaders is that uh, months after Easter, you'll be able to look back and see people in the life of your church being changed, coming back, making commitments to Christ um, because of these simple steps, these simple tweaks that you made leading up to Easter this year. And I, I think you'll look back and be like, man, that was one of the best decisions we made. And I'll never go
0: back to doing events the way that I did them in the past. Awesome, brother. Well, I just want to thank you uh, so much, one, for your heart for God and the kingdom, your heart for the local church and local pastors, and just for making this resource freely available to so many. Um, Again, you can go to churchleaders.com slash Rethinking Easter, and you can sign up for this free Rethinking Easter video course. Uh, Ryan, if people want to get in touch with you and connect with you, um, what are some ways that they can, social, website, those types of things? Yeah, I think the
1: best way is to jump in the Church Marketers Facebook group. We've got a few thousand church marketers in that group. It's one of my highlights of the week because we're all helping each other. What's cool about the body of Christ is that it's not like businesses where we're competing and hiding all our secrets and like, oh, don't, you know, don't share with them because we're competing. It's the body of Christ coming together and all working together. And so that Facebook group is where we're sharing ideas and being like, hey, this worked for us or this didn't work for us. or We're trying this or that or here's our follow up system or here's what we're doing with Facebook ads or here's we're implementing text messaging or we're doing live streaming now on Facebook. Here's what we've learned. Here's the cameras we've used. So I would say if you want to connect right now, that's the place I'm spending probably the most energy in getting to meet church leaders, dialoguing, helping uh, solve uh, pain points and facilitating conversation. We do like fun live videos in there. And so uh, just go to Facebook and type in church marketers and, and you can jump into that group. And it's it honestly is one of my favorite communities right now because of the body of Christ coming together and say, let's share ideas to advance the kingdom. And let's not hold things back, but ways we can make each other better. So I would say jump into that. And then that's the best way that we can kind of move forward together. If this type of stuff interests you, uh, or if you have somebody on your team or are like, man, this would be perfect for so-and-so,
0: then have them jump in there as well. I love that. I love that. Awesome. And we'll have Links to um, to all of Ryan's stuff in the show notes as well, churchlayers.com slash podcast. You can find that information there. But uh, man, it's been an absolute joy, brother, to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for all that you're doing for churches around the country and even around the world. And, um, and we just certainly appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. This has been a blast. Awesome, brother. Well, God bless you. God bless.